Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best value registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. I cannot be trying to outdo Jill, my friend Jill, and also be trying to lift her up, (laughs) right? I can't be both serving someone and trying to prove that I'm better than them. Welcome to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about the messy, less than perfect, but real stuff of life. My name's Jill Savage, and I'll be your host. I'm so glad you're here. I wish I were tall like her. If only my kids get along the way that her kids do. Why does she always seem to have it all together? Women compare themselves constantly. We struggle with this in social media, in the neighborhood, at church, at work, in the school drop-off lane. We glance sideways at each other and say, how do I measure up? And if you have read my No More Perfect Moms book, you know that this is a topic I am passionate about because that comparison is robbing us of contentment. So I'm really excited to have someone join me on the podcast today that also has a passion to help women stop the comparison trap. Shannon Popkin is a writer, a speaker, a Bible teacher who loves pointing others to the truth of God's word. She combines her gifts for humor and storytelling with her passion for Jesus. She's written several books, but Comparison Girl, Lessons from Jesus on Me Free Living in a Measure Up World is what we're going to be talking about today on the No More Perfect podcast. So welcome, Shannon. Hey, thanks so much, Jill. It's great to be with you today. Oh, so good to have you. And, you know, I really got to hear your heart because you and I were uh, interviewing the same day for Family Life, uh, one of their radio programs, and I got to hear your heart. And at that point, it was the day I went, I we have to do something together because uh-huh. <laughs> we yeah. have uh, we have a similar passion to help mm-hmm. women find freedom from comparison. Yeah. So, uh, Shannon, talk about comparison and how long you've known it's kind of a, been a part of your life. I mean, is this something that started in the teen years for you? Is this something that you've struggled with just as an adult? Tell us a little bit about your journey. Yeah, I'm, I maybe wouldn't have put my finger on comparison, but I can see it all the way back to like my earliest memories. I remember being in church one day and I was holding my hymn book up. I was like maybe four years old and I'm singing um, proudly, you know, just like feeling so grown up and a lady flipped my hymn book 
upside down. <laughs> like, so apparently I was holding it upside down and she, she flips it over and I was livid. Like, how dare she reveal to everyone in the world that I didn't know how to read, you know? <laughs> so I took that hymn book and I flipped it back right side up. Like, this is the way I read. Thank you. Very much. <laughs> and, and, you know, I mean, I look back and it's, it's comical to see myself at four years old, wanting everyone to see me as perfect mm. um, and not wanting anyone to see like even something that is legitimate, like we wouldn't expect a four-year-old to know how to read. But I see that in my life when I was a teenager, like not wanting others to know, you know, that I wasn't dating as much as other girls were or my life as a young mom like I, I didn't want others to know that my house wasn't as clean as a, or or as a you know I just, it's like every different phase of life I, I want to be perceived as perfect yes and I in in you know I've been thinking about how is that that desire for perfection how is it related to comparison? It's like, why do I want to be perfect? Well, I want to be, per I want to seem, I know I'm not perfect. Like, you know, I know that, but I want to seem perfect because I want to measure up. I don't want somebody else to outdo me and I don't want to um, seem lacking. You know, mm -hmm. it, it is a comparison trap that we fall into this perfectionism. I want to be perfect on my own, but I especially want to be perfect <laughs> when I'm put next to other people and, oh, it leads to such bondage. It bondage, discontentment. Mm. Yeah, it really does. And I know, you know, I never really gave it much thought until, um, I don't know, until it just be, I began to realize how much it was robbing me of contentment would be uh, probably the biggest piece, mm -hmm. how much it was robbing me. And I was like, I have got to dig into this. And uh, I don't know that I could go all the way back to my earliest memories, but I certainly can go back to grade school. Um, mm -hmm. Quite frankly, not feeling like I fit in, mm -hmm. not feeling like I had friends, uh, feeling like other girls had it more together than I did. Mm -hmm. And that is the beginnings of comparison. Yeah, it is. You know, I remember Jill one time being as a teenager, I was at a McDonald's and I was sitting in a booth and there was like a divider, like a, like the kind of glass that you can't see through. And so, um, on the other side was another booth and there were some boys sitting in that booth from my high school mm -hmm. and they were talking about some girls that were up at the at the counter mm -hmm. and they were describing what they liked about <laughs> these girls. And it was a very, I was listening very carefully to their observations because they were talking about hair color. They were talking about height. They were talking about body shape and, you know, eye color and all these different external features about these girls. And those girls at the counter were my very dear friends and they were going to come sit down at the table with me. And I just thought, I'll bet that if I was up at that counter right now, nobody would be talking about me that way. I do not measure up. I don't look, none of the characteristics that have been listed out describe me. And I can't look back at that situation. And, and I, I had no just inkling at all that I was being tempted or I was being deceived or I was being drawn into some trap. 
But now looking back, it's like, I can almost just sense the enemy's presence there, you know, Mm -hmm. feeding me these lies and, and, um, inviting me to measure myself and to feel like I wasn't enough and, and inspiring me to try to get ahead and prove that I was more like all of that was going on. And I just was oblivious to it. You know, do you, do you relate to that too? Just this obliviousness to, yeah. Well, I think the enemy is sneaky in that way Mm -hmm. and it's not usually overt. It Mm -hmm. is covert. It's very underneath the surface. And we think that they're just normal human experiences or struggles or thoughts. And they are to some degree, but the enemy uses those to Mm -hmm. undermine us, um, both in our relationships, in our relationship with God, Mm -hmm. Uh, certainly in what we think about ourselves and our own identity, all Mm -hmm. of that is played in there. So you actually kind of bristle when people call it the comparison game, Mm -hmm. you, you, that bothers you. Cause I remember hearing you talk about that. Um, when I heard you on family life, why does that bother you? Well, you know, yeah, we call it a game, (laughs) but it's it's not a game. It's this strategy of war that our enemy is using against us. It's not something to play around with. And, um, you know, his our enemy is content if we never even think about him. If, you know, he likes to be just whispering to us from the shadows and, and have us not even recognize that it's his voice that is um, influencing us or that this worldview, this world system that we're part of, that it's, you know, kind of infiltrating our hearts and our thoughts and our minds. He's happy with that. He doesn't, he wants us to step into this uh, trap, thinking of it as a game, you know, thinking of it with this lighthearted, like, oh, it's just what everybody does. Well, that may be true, but it's because we have this whole world system that is st- set up to defeat us, to destroy us, to undermine all of the good intentions that God has for our lives, to distract us from what we were intended to uh, do in this life and in this world. And so, yeah, it is it is a war strategy. Um, listen to these verses that that tie comparison with our enemy's agenda. This is James chapter three, verses uh, six, uh, 14 says, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. So, you know, jealousy is looking over at her and wishing she, I had what she has. Yeah. And then selfish ambition is wanting to prove that I have more than she does. And both of those are tied to this earthly, unspiritual, demonic wisdom, you know, that comes from our enemy. Like it's this wisdom is like, hey, you should do this. This is how you should live your life. And this earthly, demonic, uh, worldly wisdom says you should try to measure up. Like you should do everything you can to prove that you're perfect, that you're not lacking in any way. And that's just not the wisdom that comes down from above. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I know we have lots of people that are listening that are, they come from different backgrounds. So the the word demonic is probably like, like 
setting some people off. They're like, I don't know that I understand this. So I want to, I want to make sure I set a understanding that there is the world that we live in. And then there's a spiritual world that we can't see. There's Mm -hmm. a battle going on for our heart and our mind all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're referring to is a battle that is in the, uh, in the spiritual world that we can't mm-hmm. see. And the Bible talks about the enemy. The Bible talks about Satan. Um, mm-hmm. the, uh, we even see how Satan tempted Jesus um, mm-hmm. and how he stood against that temptation. And so we will be Uh, we will experience temptation in this world. And one of the things that we're tempted in is we're tempted to compare. Mm -hmm. And that's, and so that's what we have to battle is we have to battle that temptation because when we compare it, uh, it causes so many struggles in our own heart and it pulls us away. It pulls us away from God. It doesn't, it doesn't connect us to him. No, it's so true. Yeah. um, You know, we don't really have the narrative story of Satan, but we can kind of piece together that he was this, you know, had had some sort of authority in heaven, had some sort of position, but he wanted to be, uh, Isaiah says he wanted to be like God. He wanted his throne to be lifted and he wanted to be like, like God. I mean, think of the audacity of a created being wanting to be on the same level with God and his pride was not tolerated. And Jesus said that he saw Satan fall like a flash of lightning um, to this world. And, and so his goal right now is, you know, he lives with this delusion that he is somehow God's rival. And, and what he, what he wants to do on our world is in, he's got his own, you know, the, the angels that fell with him, those are his army and he has deployed them with this, um, objective of turning us away from God, making us God's enemies and making us look more like him than like the Lord Jesus. And so looking like Satan, what does that look like? That looks like, I want to be lifted up. I want to be exalted in the eyes of everyone. I don't want there to be any flaw known about me, but looking like Jesus, what did Jesus look like? You know, Jesus did not, Philippians 2 says that he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He did not come into our world with a a measure up agenda, but Uh -uh. instead he, he emptied himself. He poured his life out um, and became a servant uh, even to the point of death on the cross, he completely took all that he was, which was, I mean, he is the most supremely valuable being in the universe, and he emptied himself out to lift us up. So it's, it's they're completely opposite. They're completely backward from each other. Yeah, so who are. are we going to follow? Who are we going to be like? That's kind of the battle, right? That we're yeah. It is. And when we do understand spiritual warfare, uh, it helps us in our own maturity process, but it also Mm -hmm. helps us in um, other relational issues. Like when I think about, um, you know, the horrible crisis my marriage went through uh, 10 years ago, part of my battle plan in that was to not see my husband as the enemy, Mm. but to see where the real enemy was and to battle that enemy in prayer to, you Mm -hmm. know, and so I think a lot of times we, um, if we don't understand that when we don't understand the real dynamics that we're dealing with. And, and so as it relates to comparison, 
uh, that is a battle for our heart. So you use a metaphor of the measuring cup. So talk about that as it relates, because that that's not a metaphor I used in my No More Perfect Moms book, but you use that in your Comparison Girl book. Talk about that metaphor and what do you mean by that measuring cup? Mm-hmm. Well, those verses I just referred to in Philippians about Jesus emptying himself um, and not counting equality to be grasped, that's sort of like the the seed for this metaphor. And so here, here's the metaphor. I want you to picture your life like a glass measuring cup, you know, the Pyrex kind with the lines on the side. And what your enemy wants you to do is take your measuring cup and put it next to somebody else's and always be measuring yourself against her and focusing on, you know, what's in my measuring cup and how does it measure up with what's in her measuring cup and just live for that. Like try to fill yours up and prove that you have more or that you are more, but Jesus pulls your attention to the spout. You know, he says, you were not given more of something in your measuring cup (laughs) to make you feel like you were greater than somebody else. That is not the purpose. And if you have less in your measuring cup, that's just more opportunities for God to make up for your lack. And so Jesus always points our attention to the spout. He's like, you were designed, you were given your life. You were given all of your resources and your potential and your aptitudes that you might serve the world with who you are. And so the beautiful thing, with that metaphor is if we take that measuring cup and we tip it to one side, the lines are no longer relevant. You know, so if we want to stop this whole comparison thing and stop focusing on the lines, what we need to do is put our attention on the spout and be asking, okay, what do I have to give? Who can I serve? How can I share with the world what I have been given? And that is what frees us. So if we want, if we're pouring, we're no longer measuring. Mm, oh, okay. If we're pouring, we are no longer measuring. Mm-hmm. Okay, I need to can't, sit with you that. Can't, yeah, you can't do both at the same time. Like I cannot be trying to outdo Jill, my friend Jill, and also be trying to lift her up, <laughs> right? I can't right. be both serving someone and trying to prove that I'm better than them. So it, it frees me. It's like what guards me against this trap of... Um, comparing. So if I want to be, if I want to guard myself against this enemy, what I need to do is live like Jesus Mm -hmm. and pour my life out and like have a completely different agenda. Instead of being me focused and focusing on the lines, it's how can I serve? Who has God designed me to be um, in service to the world and other people? Mm, That's powerful. Yeah. So really we can't just, I mean, some people would say, okay, we just need to stop comparing. We just Mm -hmm. need to stop. But that's not what, I mean, that number one, it's, it is difficult to do. (laughs) It is. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So what would Jesus say to, uh, we just need to stop. What did, what does he show us that's different? I I keep looking for the verse where he says that, (laughs) right? Because I want to find him responding to somebody who's comparing and I want to hear him just say, just stop it. But I can't find that verse. And, you know, throughout the gospels, Jesus is constantly interacting with people who were comparing just like we do. Mm. You know, they were, they were wanting to be lifted up in the eyes of people. You know, the Pharisees were trying to prove they were better than everybody else. And the disciples were arguing about who's the greatest and the sinners were feeling like so, so much shame and worthlessness. And, 
And Jesus never says to any of them, you know, just stop comparing. Instead, he's always talking about, well, you know, it's almost like he's like, yeah, that's how things are in the world. But in my kingdom, things are different. They're upside down. And so he gives these little comparison statements and comparison stories where he's like, you know, in the kingdom of God, the greatest is Mm -hmm. the servant. Whoever puts herself last and lifts others up first, you know, she's, that's what greatness looks like in the kingdom. It's backward. And so he says these things over and over and over. I have them underlined. I think I have them all. I think I've found them all, these upside down comparisons of Jesus. And I have them underlined in red in my Bible because I think he wants us to hold on to them. I think he wants us to use these upside down statements to guide our lives and and realize like, you know what, in the world, it's all about measuring up and proving that you have more and that you are more. But in the kingdom, greatness looks different. It's upside Mm -hmm. down. Greatness looks like serving somebody, focusing on the spout, pouring your life out. This is, it's it's like, he's not telling us not to be great. He's saying, do it in a different way. This is what greatness looks like in the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's defined different than what we do and how we define it in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what do you mean by me free living? What, what does a me free outlook give, you know, how does that give our differences new meaning? Yeah. Um, well, if we look at comparison, it's, it's always me focused. You know, we might be looking, we might be glancing sideways and looking at other people, but our focus is always on ourselves. How am I measuring up? How am I doing in the eyes of, you know, this person or the world in general? And, um, and that is really what traps us. That's what pulls us right back into this comparison tra- trap, um, not a game, but a trap. Yes, yes. And, and, um, yeah. And so Jesus's way though, stands in, in stark contrast with that. And Jesus invites us to live what I call me free. Like, it's really just not about me, you know, like, can I live in a universe where somebody has more than I do, or they're better at something than I am, mm-hmm. or they're, you know, they're more gifted, or they they come from a stronger background than I do? Like, can I live with that? Can I live? Can I can I still use what I've been given and pour my life out in a world where other people they do have more in their measuring cup than I do? Like me free living just um, frees me from comparison at all. It's really Mm. not about measuring myself against these other people. It's about like, well, let's just focus on what I have to give and how I in particular am designed to serve. And it's, and I don't have to be perfect. I just have to use what I've been given and, and, and serve the world with who I am. Right. So like, like, let's say, you know, you and I, Jill, we both like to speak and write. And so can I, can I be next to you in a room and still celebrate like this, these amazing things that God has allowed you to do and not be jealous of you mm-hmm. and just like champion that and celebrate who you are and recognize that, you know what, maybe God hasn't gifted me the same way <laughs> that mm-hmm. he's gifted Jill Savage. And maybe my calling, you know, maybe my platform's going to be smaller than hers always, <laughs> you know, can I live with that? And can I, can I just get back to serving in the way that God designed me to serve and celebrating the way that God has designed my friend, Jill, who I love to serve. I mean, that, that pulls us together in unity. Yeah. The other way pushes us apart in competition and feeling, you know, it it divides us. Yes. Yes, it does. And, you know, one of the things that 
I, I have a passion for is helping women to understand that their strengths is someone else's weakness. Mm-hmm. You know, um, my daughter and I wrote that in our uh, Better Together book. We talked about that one of the beautiful things about having a tribe around us is that uh, we have the opportunity to fill their gaps and they have the opportunity to fill ours. Mm-hmm. And we need each other. We yes, truly we are do. better together. But we will miss out on that if we are jealous or if we are comparing. We will completely miss out on that. And, um, and that's, I mean, we're designed for community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And our enemy wants to drive these wedges by getting us to look at our sister-in-law and recognize like, oh, she's better at, you know, she's a better housekeeper than I am or better cook or whatever. And I don't know, Jill, I know you um, have served mom's groups for a long, longer than I have, but when, sometimes when I get to a mom's group, you know, as a speaker or something, um, I, I know the work that they have taken to get there, you know, all of the effort that's gone into preparing a place for moms to gather together or, you know, any group, like a women's group of any sort, mm-hmm. like a lot of effort goes into yeah. creating this, you know, place for us to connect. But then we walk into that room. And we start comparing mm-hmm. and, and it, it produces exactly the opposite effect. So what if we could walk into that room recognizing, you know what? Yes, yeah, she has more in her measuring cup in this area. And that is great because that means she has something to pour into my life. <laughs> and I have a little more of this in my cup and I am coming with a desire to pour this into her. And, and that, mm-hmm. you know, when we're comparing and dividing, we just want to pull back. We want to like withdraw. We want, we don't want to be vulnerable. (laughs) We want to project and posture when we're, when we're focused on the lines, that's all we want to do. But when we are free of all that, when we walk into that mom's group or that women's event or the small group with a mindset of like, what can, what do we all have that's different? Yeah. And how can, how can we cluster together in a little group where we're all pouring and we're all receiving? That is what unity is built on. That's the design of the church, right? It is. It -hmm. is. So, you know, you've written a book on this. It's obviously a place that God has grown you. Do you still struggle with it? (laughs) Well, I mean, if we're talking about today, I still do. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like, you know, like maybe, maybe not in the last five minutes, but yeah, I mean, I think it's always going to be a battle because it's, it's like the whole world system. It is. set up to pull us back into measuring ourselves against other people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, just as I think it was just a couple of days ago where I pulled something up on Instagram and there is, you know, I saw what someone else was doing, an opportunity that somebody else mm-hmm. had been given and I was jealous of her. And I yeah. thought, why was she given that opportunity? And I wasn't like, what about me is lacking and why, you know, what's going on here? What, what am I missing? What's, what's behind the scenes? Like, what did I not do? How did I not prove myself? And I, I fell right back in. And so, you know what I did is I reached out, I emailed a couple of friends and I said, you know what? I'm struggling here. Can you help? Can you just, I'm just going to be vulnerable. I think vulnerability is really key yep. in our struggle with um, perfectionism and, and trying to measure up and, um, and just reminding myself, okay, let's, let's go back to what's true. 
What's true? God has given her an assignment that he has not given me. Does that say anything about my worth or my value? No. It just says we're different and we have different ways, obviously, to contribute in this season. Um, but yeah, oh, I, I think I probably always will mm-hmm. um, struggle. But can I, can I share probably what is the biggest help to me in those moments? Yes, please. I think what's most helpful is asking, wait a second, is this something that Jesus would say to me? You know, when there's, when there's some voice that's or message in my head of like, you are worthless. Like you, you know, you obviously don't have as much as she does. You're obviously failing as a mom. You're obviously, you know, your marriage is a wreck because of you. Like when those messages, when those come and they're rolling around in my mind, I think it's so helpful to say, is that, is that something Jesus would say to me? You know, because I have never heard him say anything remotely like that (laughs) to any of the people that he interacted with. Like, you should be ashamed of yourself or look at you. You are falling behind her. No, he never says anything like that. That's all coming from my enemy and from this world system that is set up to destroy me. And so just asking, thinking about what I'm thinking and asking Mm. myself the question, is that message from Jesus? Is that what he would say in this situation? And then that just helps me to get back on track. Nope. Jesus invites me to serve the world. Mm, That's beautiful. And that is a very practical, Mm -hmm. but it does take some intentionality because here's the deal. That little voice inside of us is very, uh, it's been around for a long time. Yeah, it has. <laughs> like, you know, we, uh, we're we very comfortable with it. We invite it in. We feed mm-hmm. it meals. <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah. And so we, we really have to work hard. Uh, the Bible talks about taking our thoughts captive. And that's a beautiful place where that's a beautiful, practical way that you're talking about taking your thoughts captive. Yes. So the first Locking thing. Them up. Yeah, is to recognize they're there because Mm -hmm. we're not going to recognize they're there because they've been there for so long that they feel normal. Yeah, that's where I say the enemy, he he likes it when we don't even notice that he's there. You know, like when he's whispering to us from the shadows and we don't even recognize like, oh my word, I am being tempted with an enemy's, you know, words that want our intent on destroying me like that. He doesn't want us to recognize because then our guard is up. He wants our guard down. Yeah. But I'm saying, no, put that guard up and ask yourself, where is this coming from? You know, is this something that my Jesus would say to me today? Yeah. Oh, that is so good. Okay. So um, we've talked about comparing, kind of comparing up where we're comparing, we're feeling less than, Mm -hmm. but we also compare down. Yes, we do. We do. And, you know, when I uh, talk about this uh, myself, when I speak and I've written on the subject, one of the things I talk about is that, you know, without realizing it, we are in the grocery store checkout line and we see the person in front of us and we determine that either they're doing better than we are or we're doing better than they are. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference between comparing up or comparing down. Yeah. And you talk about the fact that disgust is a sure sign of comparing down. So Mm -hmm. talk about that and unpack that a little bit. Yeah. um, Ed Stutzer says that the opposite of love is not hate. It's disgust because we cannot at the same time be loving someone and disgusted with them. And, um, you know, so disgust is, we can't, we can't communicate disgust towards someone without elevating ourselves 
and looking down on them. There's a sense of condescension, of self-righteousness. And, you know, the, the attitude is, I would never do that. I would, ne- I have never, I will never, you know, and, and do you see the superiority? So we're comparing down in disgust. And I don't know what it is about 2020, but it has like lit a match. <laughs> To this mm. disgust in our hearts. Like, I mean, people are disgusted with, I, I can't believe she's not wearing a mask or I can't be- believe they're not requiring masks or, you know, whatever it is. Like, I can't believe they're opening church. I can't believe they're not shutting church down. <laughs> like, Just, you know, we are so polarized and we've got an election coming up and it is just fertile ground for a lot of disgust. And there just is no place in the church for disgust. It's divisive. There's a lot of self-righteous condemnation and disgust. And so I think as followers of Jesus, you know, Jesus did not look at other people with a disgust. He, I mean, sin is disgusting, but Jesus like had lunch with sinners, with people who saw the world completely different than he did. And he welcomed them, like come see it differently. And that's the kind of women that we want to be. Those of us who have been around the church for the longest and are the most comfortable with our sense of right and wrong are the ones who are most prone to disgust. And I put myself in that category. I I struggle now at this stage in my life far more with comparing down than I do with comparing up. And I just have to have um, a guard on my heart against self-righteousness and condescension and, and having it play out and having an attitude of disgust towards my brothers and sisters and towards those outside the church who see it differently. Um, yeah. That is not showing love. And Jesus calls us to love one another and that they would know that we are his disciples by our love. love. Yeah. And really, I mean, that is pride. It is pride it is. through and through. And mm-hmm. when pride gets in there, it it divides. It keeps us from loving. So. Yeah, I I have this image in my mind of like, you know, somebody who's really disgusted, they don't want to go home and be by themselves. They want to group up with a whole bunch of people who agree with them, you know, and, and they want to, they want to keep like spewing their disgust. They want to say it differently and repeat it and get louder. And with every breath that they take to, to communicate their disgust about those people over there, I can't believe that they're like this. It's like we're blowing into this balloon that says my pride, you know, disgust is all about just inflating it inflates our sense of pride. It's not getting rid of the pride when we Mm -hmm. elevate ourselves and communicate disgust. And Jesus always calls us to humility. And so, I mean, you know, when you think about the parable of the the Pharisee and the tax collector in the temple, you know, the Pharisee's like, disgusted with this tax collector over here. And he's, he's listing out all the ways that he's right. And that guy's wrong. And you know what? There was some validity in that prayer. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. he w- he was doing things that were right, and this guy was doing things that were wrong. Mm-hmm. But but Jesus said that he was the one who left the temple and was not justified. And and what was wrong with him was his disgust. Jesus set up the parable saying, or or um, the writer sets up the parable saying that Jesus was talking to some people who trusted in themselves. They had self righteousness. And who looked down in condescension on other people. So we might be right about something, but our disgust shows that we're we're wrong. We have the wrong sort of attitude. You know, we're acting in pride and self uh, elevation and self righteousness. Yeah, 
Yeah. You know, um, in my No More Perfect Moms book, I talk about the antidotes to the perfection infection. And the perfection Mm. infection is when we unfairly compare ourselves to others and when we have unrealistic expectations of ourselves or of others. And one way that we kick it out is humility. That's one of the antidotes to the perfection Mm. infection. And so if we can kick that that uh, perfectionism out, we're also kicking out the comparison Mm. as well. And then we're experiencing peace. We're experiencing contentment. We're experiencing freedom to be who we are and stop trying to be someone that we are not. Right. It's so true. Yeah. Yeah. Humility, humility is what like collapses these pride walls that, that divide us, right? Mm -hmm. If we can humble ourselves, we invite community and community among people who are not just like us, Mm -hmm. right? We, we just talked about that. That's in the church. We will not all see it the same. Mm -mm. We will not, our unity is, is not built on uniformity. Our unity is not built on conformity. Our unity is built on distinct differences. We were designed to be different. Let me just read a verse from uh, 1 Corinthians. It says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. And so like we are not the same. We, the the emphasis right. is variety, variety, variety. The, but but we are serving the same Lord, and so I think if we're going to have any sense of unity in 2020, we have got to have enough humility to recognize that you know my sister over here might see it differently than I do, but she is serving the same Lord. She is empowered by the same Lord, and um, that is what our unity is built on. Mm, I love that. And you know, uh, that the verses that talk about, you know, one person is a hand and the other is a foot and one person is, yeah. a, you know, a, a, an eye and, and another an ear. And I think our tendency is to be like, but I want to be a foot, <laughs> you know, but I want to mm-hmm. be. And, and when we do that, we miss out on what we are. We miss out on that unique design that Mm -hmm. God knit us together in our mother's womb with. And we are blind to be able to see it because our eyes are on that thing that we want that is not who we were created to be. Yeah, it's so true. And again, in that verse, it says there are varieties of gifts, varieties of service, varieties of ways that we serve the Lord. And, and, recognizing um, my particular variety, Mm -hmm. it it involves a sort of comparison, (laughs) right? So it involves, but, but it involves a me free comparison. It's a comparison where I'm not measuring against my sister, but instead I'm saying, you know what, God created me a little different than her. And I need to figure out how am I uniquely different and what exactly am I called to that she's not called to, you know, what is my variety? What's in my measuring cup? And so it's this, there's this free way to compare that doesn't involve measuring, but it does involve pouring myself out. Mm. And knowing what you have to pour out. Yes. 
Yeah. And, and being okay with, you know what, my gift is different than hers. My way that I'm called to serve is different than the way she's called to serve. And that is on purpose. And we can encourage each other and lift each other up and champion each other and support each other. Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. Oh, this has been rich today, Shannon. Thank you so much. Uh, so I, here's what I want to know. What final encouragement would you offer somebody who's struggling with either comparison or jealousy? Just what final words would you offer to them? You know what? I, there are three questions that I ask myself when I'm struggling with those, with comparison, perfectionism, jealousy, all those. First is, am I just too focused on me? Am I just thinking too much about myself, you know, trying to be perfect. Cause I feel like the whole world is looking at me. Am I just thinking too much about myself is the first question. And then how can I be vulnerable in this struggle? Because when mm. I invite other people into my circle of one, <laughs> you know, if I keep it a circle of one, I am still going to struggle. But when I invite others in and say, you know, I, I, I want to be better than you in this way. I want to prove to you that I'm perfect. Will you help me? Will you pray with me? Like that vulnerability, it just collapses those pride walls. And so how can I be vulnerable? And then the third question is, who can I serve? Who can I serve today? How can I get my mind and my eyes off myself and focus on what I have to pour out and pour into somebody else? Ooh. Those are powerful, powerful. Those would be good questions to write in a journal, uh, mm -hmm. to keep on our phone, because in those moments where it wants to creep back in, that'll help put our perspective in the right place. Yeah, I have some prayer cards that kind of ask those questions to God. <laughs> and so, yeah, and so if our listeners want to find those, they can go to comparisongirl.com. They're free. There's a bonus pack, and that's part of it. Oh, wonderful. Yes. Okay. So comparisongirl.com is where mm -hmm. they can find uh, the free prayer cards. Uh, they can pick up, I'm sure through comparisongirl.com, they can pick up a copy of your book and I'll yep. make sure that I also put a link to that in the show notes as well. So thank you so much. Uh, you know, would you just close us today, just praying Shannon for, for our listeners and, and this struggle that we all struggle with? I would love to. Lord Jesus, um, you know that we live in a world where comparison is as easy as breathing and our enemy has set things up to destroy us and divide us. And um, he wants us to live in bondage. He wants us to compare ourselves and feel jealous or compare ourselves and feel superior and pull away. But Lord, you have so much more for us. God, I pray for the woman today who's listening and is just so bound up either in a sense of worthlessness or a sense of condescension and self-righteousness. Mm -hmm. Lord, would you free her? Okay. Would you free her to um, get her eyes off of the lines on her measuring cup and put her attention on the spout, Lord, would you help all of us to yes. live like you did and empty ourselves out, out? Would you help us to follow you and listen for your voice and, and guard ourselves against this enemy and this whole world system um, that, that we want to be free of? Father, we thank you in advance for the ways that you will use your, that your spirit will empower us and counsel us into the ways of truth. In Jesus' yes. precious name, I pray. Amen. Amen.
Amen. You know, in addition to uh, the free resources that Shannon has uh, over at comparisongirl.com, I want you to know over at nomoreperfect.com, we also have a free 31-day No More Perfect Moms e-challenge, which will also help you to uh, be intentional about uh, stopping the comparison, uh, getting sucked into that trap. And, um, and I, I also want to ask you, if you've been enjoying the No More Perfect podcast, would you please leave a review? That's really super helpful for others to find the podcast and to benefit from the encouragement that we offer. And if you have any feedback, you can always email us at resources at jillsavage.org. We love hearing from you. Thank you, Shannon, for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Mm -hmm. And we're signing off with a reminder that uh, perfection doesn't exist in this world, but God is trying to perfect us to become Mm -hmm. more like him each and every day. The more we grow, the more we begin to understand the joy of that kind of perfecting. Have a great day. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future conversations. You can find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over at jillsavage.org slash podcast. See you next week for another not perfect, but very important conversation about the real stuff of life.